0: Hi, hello, and welcome. This is the Zooncast, where we interview emerging professionals, entrepreneurs, and academics. And uh, today we have with us on the show uh, Christopher Lee, uh, Hamza Farooq, and Julian Maziteli, And they are the co-founders of Biobox. Uh, so thank you very much, all three of you, for joining and taking the time to be on the show. And I want to start by uh, talking about your uh, uh, backgrounds. Uh, professional and personal background. Um, So if we can start with uh, Julian uh, Mazzitelli.
1: Thank you for having us, Simon. Yeah, so I did a undergraduate at University of Toronto, studying biology and computer science. And that is ultimately ultimately what led me to uh, meeting Christopher and Hamza. At a, at a post in graduate studies working as an assistant in a bioinformatics lab and i've also participated in the open source bioinformatics foundation for google summer of code
0: all right perfect uh hamza
2: perfect um yeah so my background is in biomedical engineering um, specifically it used to be in biophotonics so lasers used in surgical therapy um, except when I got close to the end of my undergraduate degree, I had more of a focus on medicine itself. Um, that's where I joined Michael Taylor's lab at the hospital for sick children, um, through university of Toronto and focused on genetics, specifically multi-omic sequencing technologies. So long read sequencing like PacBio, short reads, um, RNA sequencing. I spent about three to four, three years. Um, studying in that lab and trying to absorb all the information I could, learning about all the different avenues of bioinformatics, especially in today's time, um, and then spend about a year working in that lab as a bioinformatician before starting Biobox with my co-founders. All
0: right, perfect. Uh,
2: Christopher?
3: Yeah, so um, for for undergrad, I um, actually, like, what I started out in undergrad was completely like not what I ended up doing later on in life. Uh, Started off in physics. um, Then I found that the math was like extremely complex. And then I just, (laughs) I couldn't, I couldn't keep up. So then I was like, okay, like, let me try uh, the other kind of more uh, other interests that I had. So um, I started studying pharmacology and neuroscience uh, as a, as an undergraduate after graduating uh, again, I, I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. Um, so I worked uh, in a startup, I worked as a tech in a research lab, and I found that I, you know, became really passionate about uh, research, specifically when I started to uh, code and started to do do some more bioinformatics, um, and that led me to kind of pursue my graduate degree. And it was like during this time, uh, well, undergrad, I had met Julian, and then during graduate school, I met Hamza, we we're working on the same floor, in the same research institute, and uh, One, like, you know, what we found was that there's this really uh, giant challenge for biologists right now handling handling this uh, large-scale genomic data. And we saw an opportunity here to do something about it and create a solution that, you know, we would have wanted when we were going through graduate school. And so ultimately, you know, two years ago, I actually um, left my PhD to uh, pursue this company with with my now
0: co-founders. All right, perfect. Um, so, can you talk more about um, BioBox? When it was founded, how the idea came about, and uh, what's the product and solution you offer?
3: Yeah, great question. Um, so, we we our origin story. You know, we were all you know working at SickKids at the time, and. Um, I remember distinctly, so we actually got together, three of us, uh, for drinks, just one Friday evening. Um, And like after a few pictures, we were just talking about the struggles that we were facing uh, in the lab. Now, you know, research is hard enough and it takes a lot of time. But what happens is when you have, you know, a lot of people, that's a lot of collaborators, colleagues who need support on the computational side, because, you know, Biologists aren't trained to, to, you know, learn computer programming and computer science and figure out how to manage servers and stuff like that. But they need to be able to work with this data. Um, it's it's a, it's a foundational aspect of uh, life sciences research these days. So, you know, ninety-five percent of our time began uh, be, became consumed with, you know, helping other colleagues. Which, of course, you know, that's the nature of science. It's what we love to do. Um, it's about you know working together as a team. But it left us very little time for our own projects. So we kind of sketched out on a napkin, right? Like what kind of system that we could build um, to kind of reduce the emails uh, that we were getting uh, for for assistance, right? And we built this little prototype in our spare time. And then we kind of just sent it out to our colleagues uh, in hopes that the emails would stop. And, and, you know, amazingly, the emails did. And they were able to be self-sufficient. They were doing their own analyses and stuff like that. But then after that, the email started coming back uh, even faster, but this time it was feature requests. Hey, can you support this type of data? Can you support this type of visualization? Then we started to kind of think, okay, is this is this a systemic problem or is this just kind of in our local kind of ecosystem? So we went ahead and we just like cold called a bunch of scientists internationally and just asked them are, are, if they were facing these similar challenges. And across the board, many, many labs, many, many scientists are struggling with these problems. So it was around, uh, it was April, 2019, that we all decided, you know what, let's do this full time. Let's, let's try to um, solve this problem. And that's when BioBox was founded.
0: Mm-hmm. So um, in simple terms, it's like a, a database of human genomic data. Did I understand that correctly? Mm-hmm.
3: So um, what we're building at BioBox, we're building a data analytics platform for clinicians and scientists working with genomic data. Um, it's it's meant to be like a day-to-day platform, an enterprise-level platform to support research laboratories, uh, both private and public. Um, so our clients are, you know, jumping on every day in the morning. They drink their coffee. They're firing up the, the platform. They upload their, their data. It could be raw data that they just, you know, read off of the sequencing machine or, you know, data that they have in their uh, that they've been working with for some time um, and they upload it into the system. And what you can do is you can, you know, run really complex... Bioinformatic pipelines; these are like computational workflows um, without having to learn any code, um, and that's one of the main features that we have is an ability to be uh, to democratize this bioinformatic research because it, we remove those barriers that traditionally exist uh, before you can start doing the really cool stuff you want to do with with, with genomic data. Um, it's designed to be collaborative, so you know, uh, uh, as your team members are participating in these projects, you can kind of in, invite them to join and edit your projects. Um, and, Our our clients are creating, you know, stunning publication-ready plots that they can, you know, download right to their machine and insert that into their next publication or their grant. Um, And the best part about the platform is, you know, the more you work with it, the better uh, its performance becomes because you can kind of look back historically and check through your archives of data, kind of like having that like a librarian for you to be like, hey, you know what, uh, someone you actually ran this analysis six weeks ago, here's some results, or you're interested in a certain gene or a certain disease. You can kind of find more information about that without having to jump through all the hoops of public databases, like you mentioned, or try to like find that needle in the haystack.
0: So um, for someone who's not a scientist, can you explain um, what is uh, genomic data? and how, how does it help us to understand and study uh, genomic data, perhaps uh, Hamza or um, or whoever um, can answer? Uh, of course,
2: I can take this question. Um, so genomic data is the study of DNA and RNA, um, as well as the other factors that go into it. So it's literally looking at the building blocks and instructions that will give rise to life. In our case, we're doing it specifically with humans, but DNA exists in all organisms. Um, and the reason for its prevalence more so in the 21st century is because we've gotten much, much, much better at sequencing. So reading what the DNA is in most organisms for a relatively cheap amount uh, to run any of these experiments. And so we can get more fine-tuned with understanding diseases or conditions or inherited traits, right from the genetic um, perspective. Um, when we talk about genetics in general, we specifically talk about DNA, but the field has actually grown into other larger avenues, such as epigenetics or proteomics, which are different levels of information that kind of cluster above. The challenge though, is even though the the experiments themselves are cheaper to run and they've been going on for about the last five to seven years is when it's really ramped up. It's still difficult to get the resources and the computational power to be able to answer your original biological question. So your biological question can literally come from, you have a set of healthy individuals and you have a set of individuals who now have cancer. They're both related. They're basically, it could be the same individual in itself. And what you want to know is what is different looking at this DNA at the building blocks in cancer compared to normal cells that aren't being cancerous? And that study, that biological question is what frames your next two to three years of experimenting and trying to come up with a diagnosis or a treatment plan or how, like answering the how portion of it. But if you don't have access to a large computing cluster, even though you have sequencing data, these DNA, read into a computer, you aren't able to actually analyze any of it to determine what's going on and to really bring in your biological expertise. What we've done or we've done at Biobox is to enable anyone regardless of their own personal lab environment to gain access to the computational clusters as well as these workflows that Chris mentioned, these highly advanced and mathematical and statistically based bioinformatic pipelines to be able to run their own data through uh, through our platform and arrive at the results where their own biological expertise can finally come into play and they can answer the initial question that they have. Following that, we make access to other sources of information from experts around the world, so other large consortium who have also put in their feedback and expertise really readily available within the platform itself. So you're not only gaining information from experiments you're running, you're gaining information from the community at large, which is extremely crucial to biological and bioinformatics research, so genomics research.
0: Mm -hmm. So the benefit is like uh, having and studying this kind of data can help us with um, treating medical conditions, including uh, um, cancer. So it expands far beyond just cancer
2: themselves. So cancer is one of the biggest ones because the way you treat each cancer from person to person is far different. And that's what only what we've come to know in the last few years. Um, Generally the treatments used to be radiation and chemotherapy, but not all chemotherapies work the same way. It's genetic research that helped uncover which, uh, cancer types will be more or less effective when it comes to treatment plans and chemotherapeutic um, treatments, essentially. Um, beyond that, yes. though, studies of like inherited traits, so stuff like, um, I'm blanking out right now, Chris, do you wanna jump in with the yeah. 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 So, you know, we, it's funny, because there are so many ways we could talk about genomics,
3: right? Because like Hanzo was mentioning, any, anything, any living organism, is built with the same stuff in dna and rna proteins those kind of things so something like a very contemporary example like you know with the COVID 19 research right one of the first things one of the main milestones was they fully sequenced the viral genome right um it's it's you know the applications of genomics spans beyond just you know human disease research it could be let's say you want to track you found some new bacteria while digging in some mountain um, and you want to characterize it. Maybe you discover a new species. So how are species uh, being differentiated? Okay, well, that's on the basis of uh, its genetics, right? The differences in the DNA, right? Or, um, you know, something like uh, in other industries, like um, even agricultural genomics is actually a pretty big uh, industry right now. For example, you know, I wanna grow my crops and I want to make them frost resistant. Okay, maybe you can modify some of its genes to, to see if you can achieve this. So all of this is basically in, uh, w- with next generation sequencing is uh, letting us get to um, the the blueprints, like Hansa mentioned, of of, or, of of living things, but also to understand how things work. Right. So if you apply uh, if you apply a drug treatment, maybe you would run some experiments to evaluate what was the impact of that drug treatment to uh, the DNA, or maybe some kind of regulation that a, an organism has to make sure things are working properly. Um, and it's really flexible, but the 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 the, achi- the kind of information and the knowledge you can gain because of next generation sequencing technology really transformed life sciences research uh, top to bottom. You know, you know, let's say like you know a decade ago, fifteen years ago, um, we had low throughput techniques, which means we had to interrogate these genes one at a time. What next generation sequencing allowed was, okay, let's flip the script. Let's interrogate everything at the same time to try to answer a question. But with that, you have this challenge where, okay, if you have so much data, what is signal and what is noise? And that was kind of the birth of this new discipline called bioinformatics, a systematic way to interrogate big data, big genomic data, to find that key insight. And what we've done here is, okay, instead of having to study a decade of computer science to kind of get to that point where you can start playing with this data, Let's automate away what we can. Let's remove the barriers where we can and let scientists who want to find answers to their question, because their expertise is, for example, human disease research, cancer research, bacterial research, viral, virology, let them uh, just work with the data and then apply their ex- ex- expertise to come up with the answers that is very, very meaningful for um, public health uh, issues, for just our general understanding of the natural world.
0: Wow, that's uh, that's pretty fascinating. Gene uh, interrogation definitely sounds uh, sounds interesting, and p- perhaps perhaps more and more people will will leverage this kind of research to improve healthcare. Um, so, is is BioBox the first platform of its kind, or are there other similar platforms uh, already in the market? Great question. Oh,
1: I can take this. Yeah, take yeah, this one. So there, when we first started this, this company, we, we checked out the landscape, and there already were a few big companies who were working towards automating for biology research labs the process of running their sequencing files. So these are the giant text files that are produced by the sequencing machine when these labs send their physical samples to be sequenced through the workflows and what we found was this these companies they're only hitting part of the entire research cycle and they're not allowing the biologists to do immediate and highly uh, domain specific work on that on that sample data so these companies they expedited the process of going from raw sequencing data to process data which can then be visualized but the visualization aspect we found was still not being tackled so that was really one of the core components of of starting biobox was letting the platform not only just do the the computational work which is complicated and expensive uh, in terms of computer power, but the actual biological intuition work, which involves a biologist who has a strong understanding of of what problem they're trying to solve. They understand what are the relevant genes in the data set. And then they have in their minds, some sort of of goal or hypothesis. And in the past, these workflow companies, sure, they get you to your process data, but there, is, there still may be a bioinformatician, either a collaborate collaborator to the lab or an in-house bioinformatician who would then take those process data files and create visualizations. And the, the, the task of the bioinformatician, creating visualizations, given what the biologist is asking, is a sort of like a broken telephone situation. And this is what Chris was alluding to with the getting emails. So we really felt that the existing companies were not tackling this specific aspect of the research cycle, which is allowing biologists to have autonomy with their with their data and play with their data without having to wait on on a third party.
3: Yeah, and you know, when we, when yeah, like as Julian was saying, when we're looking at our competitors, like you know these entrenched uh, competitors, they they're titans in the industry for sure. They do great work, you know. But they, you know, we we make that distinction for us. is like okay, there's data processing, like Julian mentioned. But what happens after that? We're focused on that part because you know the the processing of the data happens maybe once, maybe twice. But in the research cycle, as Julian was describing, I would I would argue maybe 80 to 90% of that time is spent on, okay, now I have this data. Let me get some insights from it. Let me understand what this data is, uh, is trying to tell me. Let me find the signal. Um, and, and that's the day, in, like the daily you know, routine, the job, the, the focus of, of our life science researchers. And so we found that there's great tools to support the first part, maybe the first like 10% of the project, but what about the rest of the 90? And that's what BioBox is trying to, 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 to tackle right now.
0: Mm-hmm. So can you talk about what kind of traction you've had since uh, inception in terms of like user acquisition, acquisition sales, fundraising, uh, if, you, uh, if anyone can elaborate on that?
3: Yeah, sure. So, you know, in terms of fundraising, um, we as you know, we, we closed our pre-seed round around this time last year um, with, with two venture firms and, a, and an angel investor. And uh, in that time, from inception of the company back in 2019 to, to just about a week, two weeks ago, we were actually operating on uh, with, with a closed beta. Now, the reason we were doing this uh, instead of just opening up is the nature of the, 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 the genomic data. It's very sensitive, right? This is like very, very patient sensitive information. We needed to make sure that our infrastructure was uh, uh, was stable and also uh, secure. Now. That's kind of we needed to pay attention to those details and and we wanted to make sure that we weren't um, uh, running before we were learning how to walk you know and at the same time with the closed beta, we were really optimizing with our initial kind of uh, early adopters uh, figuring out how to uh, best design the platform to support real sci- like scientists daily workflows their their kind of their routine and 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 the cadence um, and how they collaborate um, so in that time, we you know we were working with labs. Obviously, some of them uh, from our uh, previous institutions, um, and uh, you know uh, internationally as well. We have some down the U.S., uh, some some internationally abroad. Um, one of the one of the side kind of initiatives we had was we actually were able to um, provide the platform uh, to to support a few university courses at U of T, especially when kind of everything went into lockdown and, and schools like courses weren't open. To support their kind of upper year laboratory courses, where uh, they could actually practice uh, and apply their learning beyond just learning theory, they can actually run experiments and actually actually try to run workflows or design workflows themselves. Um, And that became a very interesting opportunity for us to kind of give back a little bit to the to the academic community as well. Um, So to date, we we have a pretty healthy. Strong, like core user base, that's um, you know allowing us to really just optimize the platform. But uh, we've since opened it to the public. Um, it's everything is running free until July first. Uh, it's uh, it's a subscription-based service, so you know uh, depending on how many users, how many licenses you'd like, um, you would we would start charging for that uh, come you know after July first.
0: All right, that's uh, that's great, and. Um... <clears throat> Uh, Recently, as you know, we have been going through uh, the challenging uh, time of the pandemic um, and businesses and industries have been affected. Did you experience um, any positive or negative impact um, on on your business? Um, I can take this one. So when
2: we first, uh, when COVID first hit, it was a little bit of an adjustment um, just from a team perspective because um, switching to remote, as you know, especially for startups, is a huge, huge um, obstacle to overcome. Um, that's where Julian came in extremely effective because he provided the infrastructure and helped inspire a culture of um, DevOps and CI CD. So, working remote or deploying anything remotely um, almost became secondhand to us. Um, so, for us in terms of day to day business, aside from the lack of socializing that you get from an office now being remote, um, our effective pace and our company's culture has kind of thrived through COVID itself, um, where it's also helped us learn how to balance work and, well, personal life, quote unquote, but like that doesn't really exist when you're doing startup games. Um, Aside from that, the industry itself has kind of slowed down when it comes to the biological space, mainly because a lot of funding from a government standpoint um, was uncertain for these labs. It's not definitely the change from year over year, but the uncertainty had kind of put a halt to everybody's productivity, so it made it a little bit more challenging um, in terms of our approach when we're talking to these different labs. Positive part to us though is the problem that was faced when we decided to start BioBox hasn't gone away. It's not a solved problem at all. And people still feel it every single day that they're going to work and they're conducting the research. Um, so, overall, I think some pros and cons have kind of mixed together. Um, I think COVID itself had almost given us a new challenge to overcome. And personally, I think it made us more effective in knowing how strong of a problem uh, research scientists face when they don't have the, like infrastructure that they take for granted um, being in larger institutions. Smaller labs have suffered even further. Um,
0: So it's been more of an exciting time trying to deal with the new circumstances. Um, Do you have any particular milestones for the next uh, 12 to 24 months? Any, any, milestones you plan to achieve?
3: So in the next 12 to 24, uh, 24 months, you know, we're really focusing on um, increasing the awareness and obviously adoption um, of the platform. Uh, and, you know, part of that, we have some uh, engineering challenges we, we need to tackle. For example, not every scientist is doing the same type of research, you know, everyone needs different things. So we're trying to make the platform as as inclusive as possible, you know, this could be supporting more types of organisms. So. You know, if you're a bacterial researcher, you're researching viruses, you're researching, you know, uh, mice or, or some other model organism, the platform will still be able to pro- provide um, um, uh, the power that you need to kind of get your work done.
1: Um,
3: we are looking to uh, raise our next round sometime within the next two years. Um, and but really, you know, right now we're, we're, we're at a pretty healthy uh, cadence right now, and and so our core focus is uh, to really focus on our, on our customers, to focus on delivering the best quality, best performance solution uh, to suit their needs.
0: All right, perfect. Uh, well, Christopher, Hamza, and Julian, it has been uh, nice uh, speaking with you and learning about yourself and your background, and also about your product. Um, and uh, and it's uh, interesting how this kind of platform for genomic data collaboration and research can uh, can really help us improve uh, healthcare so thank you for uh, taking the time to be on the show thanks for having awesome. us Lamar.
1: thank you yeah, thank you for having us
0: absolutely uh, you want to share your uh, website uh, how can people find you yeah so you can find
3: our uh, information at bobbox.io um, there you can kind of read about all the uh, use cases uh, that make benefit that your research might benefit from um, and from, you know, on there, you know, all our contact information is there. Feel free to reach out to any one of us. So we'd be happy to talk to you and learn more about uh, uh, your research. And even if you're not a scientist, you're not a researcher now, you want to chat, you know, we'd love to hear from you too. Um, and yeah,
1: so biobox.io.
0: All right, perfect. Yeah,
1: and, and as well, there's a, a blog at blog.biobox.io slash okay. blog. Okay, uh,
0: blog.biobox.io.
1: Slash blog, yes.
0: Okay, perfect. Uh, listeners, I hope you enjoyed the episode and you get a chance to learn about, about Biopox and how they are helping improve research, collaboration, and healthcare. And as, as they mentioned, you can visit their website and their blog to learn more. And feel free to contact them if you have any questions. And thank you so much for listening to sooncast and stay tuned for more episodes.